Hi, welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA, and this is me, Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA, and it is so great to have you listening over Anchor FM and several other uh, podcasting platforms that we have through Anchor FM. It's exciting uh, to think about the number of people every day which tune in to Sunshine USA because they know that they are going to learn more and more about the Bible as they listen to Sunshine USA. Well, uh, today uh, we have a broadcast which is basically titled uh, The Last Days of Paul's Ministry. The Last Days of Paul's Ministry. Now, Paul was quite an exciting preacher in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, I would say apart from Jesus Christ, Paul would be my favorite character in all the New Testament. And you have to understand that there's only 27 books in the New Testament, and Paul wrote 13 or 14 of those books. Now, whether it's 13 or 14, it depends on whether or not you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. Now, just for the record, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Now, I'm not going to elaborate on the broadcast today why I believe that, but I will just simply let it go at saying that I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. And I actually have several really good reasons for believing that Paul wrote Hebrews, but I'm not going to debate that issue today. I do know that there are good theologians, both conservative and liberal, who believe that Paul either did or did not write Hebrews. And regardless of whether or not you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, uh, to me, that does not affect my opinion of you. We could disagree on that issue and still be perfectly good friends. Um, and by the way, when you get to heaven one of these days, you can ask Paul if he wrote Hebrews, if it's still important to you then. And, of course, at that point, Paul will assure you that he wrote Hebrews. Now, that's just my opinion, but <laughs> there you have it. But in our message for today, we're getting into the very last days of Paul. And this will be, for a while, the last of my series of messages on the life and ministry of Paul. Now... I want to point out that we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to be starting today with verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Now keep in mind, Paul here is writing to Timothy, who he has referred to as his son in the faith. Now the very next book is the book of Titus. Now, Titus is also a young minister that Paul has taken under his wings to teach him everything he knows about the ministry. In fact, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 4, it says to Titus, my own son after the common faith. And so Paul took a great interest in trying to prepare young men like Timothy and Titus for the ministry. Now, of course, there was a practical reason for this as well, uh, because as we're going to see, 
on the program today, we're going to see that Paul knew that his ministry was nearing an end. Paul knew that his ministry was getting ready to come to an end. And he would be dying soon. In fact, uh, we're very close to the point where um, Paul is going to be beheaded. And um, so Paul has very gladly taken on the project of witnessing and ministering to Timothy and Titus so that he can help them do even greater things in the ministry than what he's done. And I have taken up the same cause in my own ministry. I happen to know that many young ministers listen to my broadcast. And uh, they enjoy listening to it. And I'm always glad to share with them anything that I know about the Bible anything that I know about the work of the gospel ministry, because I happen to know that these young ministers, if the Lord tarries, will be preaching the gospel long after I'm dead and gone. And so while I'm alive, I want to do what Paul did for Timothy and Titus. I want to take these young preachers and help train them to do great things for God in the work of the gospel ministry. And I take great pride in that. I encourage young ministers uh, to correspond with me. In fact, if you're a young minister listening to this podcast right now, I hope that you will email me. I will give you an email address at the end of the podcast today so that you can contact me. And I would love to exchange information with you over time about how you could be successful in the ministry and how you could go on to do even greater things than I have done in the ministry uh, by me pouring as much of myself into you as I possibly can. Because some of you guys that are just now preparing for the ministry, you're going to be preaching the gospel for years and even decades after I'm no longer on the scene. Now, I'll be honest with you, I have taken steps to see to it that my ministry continues even after I die. For example, a lot of the preaching that I do nowadays, it's actually archived in different places on the Internet. And so after I'm dead and gone, people will be able to hear me preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ on the Internet. And I thank God for that. I wouldn't have it any other way. I hope that five or ten years after the Lord calls me home, I'm still preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in all kinds of ways. The internet, radio, television, the printed page. And so I'm taking steps even now to make that happen. Now, Let's um, read what Paul has to say to Timothy here. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7, And I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. 
I have kept the faith. I want you to notice a couple of things here. He says, I have finished my course. I have finished my course. In other words, Paul is saying to Timothy, I have come to the finish line. I have finished the work that God has for me to do. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. I was faithful to the Lord. I was able, with the Lord's help, to reach the finish line. And that would be one piece of encouragement right there that I would give to all young ministers listening to me right now. I would say, whatever God has called you to do, make sure that by the time you get to the end of your ministry, that you finish the work that God, that God has given to you to do. Now, if you will do that, I think you will find that life for yourself will be so much better to actually finish the work that the good Lord has given you to do. Uh, one of the sad things that I observed back when I was a student at the seminary, I observed that we had many seminary students who dropped out of seminary long before they graduated. We had other students that would uh, drop out of seminary, in some cases, just a few months before they would have graduated. And to me, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing sadder, there is nothing sadder than to see someone who leaves the ministry before God is finished with them. And I think that was part of what Paul was saying here to Timothy. He says, I have finished my course. I have finished the work that my God has given me to do. Paul's very excited about that. I remember when I um, finished my studies at the seminary in New Orleans. You cannot imagine how excited I was about that. Because you see, when I was in high school, I actually had guidance counselors, which strongly encouraged me not to even try to go to college because I had some academic issues. Um, I was involved in an automobile accident when I was 18 months old, and I am told that some damage was done to my brain. And at the time, the doctors told my parents they had no idea how affected I would be by that brain damage. They said, you're not going to know until later on in life. And by the time I got into high school, it was pretty evident that whatever brain damage I had, it was keeping me from doing the same level of academic work that my fellow students were doing. I was just barely getting by. And I had one guidance counselor in particular in high school who told me, 
Warren, you shouldn't even think about going to college. They, they said, Warren, there's not a single college or university in this country that's going to take you. They're not going to have anything to do with you. Well, I was excited because I ended up getting accepted by every college I applied to. I only applied to about three different colleges. And guess what? I got accepted by all three, which meant I had a choice to make. I didn't go to the only college that would accept me because, you see, I had three different colleges accept me. I got to pick and choose which school I wanted to go to. That was so exciting to me. And to complete my studies several years later in seminary, man, I tell you, I was so excited. I felt like Paul felt here. I have finished this part of my course. And now I'm ready to do the things in the ministry that God has for me to do. Now, as, as it turned out, God chose to use me in more of a bivocational ministry. Most of my ministry I would describe as being bivocational. In other words, I was not your traditional seminary graduate that would go on to pastor a church until I retired. I ended up doing secular work for the most part. And then as I was able to, uh, I did work in the ministry around my secular work schedule. But now that I'm retired from secular work, now I have more time than ever before to do the work of the gospel ministry. Um, I'm preaching a lot more now since my retirement than I ever did before my retirement. And I thank God for that. I'm very excited about that. Well, let's read on. Paul says in verse 8, chapter 4 and verse 8 in 2 Timothy, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearance. And so Paul knew that awards day was coming, and he had an award to look forward to. I look forward to going to heaven. And I also look forward to earning whatever awards that I have coming my way. I look forward to the fact I'm going to have a new body. Now, I tell you folks, that part right there excites me more than you can ever imagine. This body that I have right now, it's getting older. It's getting sicker. It's becoming more limited. And the Bible tells me one of these days when I go to heaven, guess what? I'm going to have a whole new body, a brand new body. Praise the Lord. It's not going to get sick anymore. It's not going to grow old anymore. It's not going to be limited anymore. I'm going to have a brand new body. Woo! Boy, even if you're a Baptist, that ought to make you shout. Amen. He tells Timothy in verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He says in verse 10, For Damas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, 
and is departed unto Thessalonica. So he says, uh, Demas has forsaken me. He's deserted me. He, he has decided that he loves the world more than he loves the ministry, and by golly, he's split on me. Now, by the way, that wasn't the only time that someone split on Paul. <laughs> it seems that certain people had a way of cutting out on Paul right when he needed them the most. But anyway, Damas had left him. He says, um, um, uh, Crescens went to Galatia, Titus unto Domitia. He says in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. Now, I imagine that part of the reason that Luke is with him now is because of the fact that Paul is an older, sicker man than he ever used to be before. He needed the services of a physician. And of course, we all know from our study of the Word of God, hopefully, we all know that Luke was a physician. He was a medical doctor. Now, of course, medical doctors back in that day, they didn't know near as much as doctors know today. But they knew a lot for their day. And we find that Luke spent a good part of his life traveling with Paul so that Paul would have medical services with him wherever he went. Now, that was probably a good thing. Because, you see, back in those days when you traveled, uh, typically there wasn't always a doctor's office or an emergency room in town. In some cases, depending on where you were in the world, you might be more than 100 miles away from the nearest medical facility. And so for Paul to do the kind of traveling that he did in his ministry, guess what? Paul took Luke with him. And Luke was only too happy to go with Paul and take care of the medical needs that he had. And then I want you to notice something. He says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He says, take Mark, bring him with you when you come. I not only want you to come, Timothy, he says, guess what? I want you to bring Mark with you. Now, John Mark was a very interesting individual. You see, Mark had deserted Paul on the first missionary journey. And so when Paul and Barnabas were all set to go to the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them. And you'll remember that Paul was very adamant. He said, no, no, sir, absolutely not. No way is Mark going with us. He said, Mark deserted us on that first missionary journey. And he says, by golly, I'm not going to give him a chance to desert me ever again. And so Barnabas takes Mark and they go on their own missionary journey without Paul. And Paul gets another partner. But notice that it's not Mark. Now, some Bible scholars feel that Mark had become uh, very immature in the ministry in his early days, 
he was not fully mature and he wasn't doctrinally sound and a lot of other things. But as we're going to see, Mark later on would become much more mature and far more useful to Paul in the ministry. Now, I think back in my own days in the ministry, I think about the fact that in my early days in the ministry, I used to be terribly legalistic. I used to be really legalistic. Some of you realize how strict Bob Jones University used to be here in Greenville, South Carolina. They used to be, man, so strict. They had street preachers that would street preach in downtown Greenville in front of the movie theaters. And they had one of the strictest dress codes you ever saw. And they just had all kinds of strict rules and regulations they had to live by. But guess what? That was liberal compared to me. I was just about as legalistic and pharisaic as I could possibly be back in those days. And some of you that knew me back in those days, you're listening to me now on the podcast, and you knew me back when I was just starting out in the ministry, some of you know firsthand how legalistic I was. Amen. You know. But over the years, I have matured in the faith. I have grown and developed spiritually. And so I'm not legalistic like I was in the early days of my ministry. And I'm certainly more compassionate. Nowadays, uh, many of you know, if you follow my preaching on the Internet, you know that I have a lot of compassion for the poor. And I have spent a lot of time on the internet teaching the fact that God wants us to have compassion for the poor. He wants us to feed the poor. He wants us to take care of the poor. But now let me tell you, I wasn't that way in the early days of my ministry. In the early days of my ministry, I didn't want anything to do with social ministry. I said, you see, with social ministry, the only thing we're accomplishing is we're making people more comfortable on their way to hell. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to reach them for Jesus. Then after I reach them for Jesus, then maybe I'll see what I can do for them. But you see, as I've grown and matured in the faith, I realize that sometimes people that are homeless, sometimes people that are poor, sometimes, you know what we have to do first? We have to show them just how much we love them. And then we let them know that however much we love them, guess what? God loves you even more. And because I love you and because God loves you, I'm bringing you some food and I'm helping you get housing and I'm helping you in some other areas. And then when we've done all that, then all of a sudden, they are so much more receptive to anything we have to say about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, go on. Now, you know, I, I want to say something here before I get, before I run the risk of not getting back to it. I made a statement a while ago about Bob Jones University. Now, I'm happy to report that Bob Jones University has made a number of positive changes in recent years. 
The leadership that Bob Jones University has today has made some changes that back several decades ago never would have happened. And as a result, I think you would find Bob Jones University today to be a very outstanding uh, Christian university. And I felt like, in all fairness, I needed to make that perfectly clear. Amen. Well, let's read on. Um, he says, Antiochus, I have sent to Ephesus. Um, so some of the people that had left Paul were left because Paul sent them away to do something else. In the case of Tychicus, he had sent him away to Ephesus. Now, you notice that Paul is helped by a number of people that we know little or nothing about. You might see their names mentioned once or twice by Paul in the New Testament, and once, and, and usually it was just once or twice and very briefly mentioned as it's mentioned here. But for the most part, these are men that we know little or nothing about. And yet they did a great work for Paul. And ultimately that means they did a great work for the Lord. Now one of these days when you and I get to heaven, we'll see these people up there and, and we'll find out more about them. Amen. But then he says to Timothy in verse 13, he says, the cloak or the coat that I left in Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. And so he's asking Paul to really bring, it seems, three things in particular. My coat, my books, basically my ministerial library, and the parchments. That's the paper I write on. Paul is saying to Timothy, bring all that with you. You see, even though Paul knows that the end is near for him, he knows that the end is not quite yet. And he knows that whatever time he has remaining, whether it's a few weeks or a few months, he wants to spend that time very wisely continuing to do the work that the good Lord up above has for him to do. Amen. So it gets, as you can see, very, very exciting. Okay, now, um, he says, uh, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of him who be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray that God, I pray God that it would not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of, lion, of the lion. In other words, Paul is saying, in spite of the people that have deserted him, the and in spite of the fact that people chose not to stand with him anymore, God has used him in a great way. 
Paul recognized that in particular he had become known as the minister to the Gentiles. Now that, of course, was very interesting because, you see, Paul himself was a Jew. Paul was not a Gentile. He was a Jew. But we find that Paul's primary ministry was a ministry to Gentiles. Now it doesn't mean that Paul didn't lead any Jews to the Lord, and it didn't mean that he didn't minister to any Jews, but it meant that primarily, for the most part, his ministry was to the Gentiles. He was a minister to the Gentiles. Now you'll notice Peter, by contrast, was a minister that ministered primarily to his own people, the Jews. Now, it's important to note Paul and Peter were both great preachers, but they both had very different audiences. And I think the Lord chose Peter because the Lord felt Peter was probably the best one to minister to the Jews, and he chose Paul because he felt like Paul was the best one to minister to the Gentiles. Now, you know, there, there's an interesting theory here, and I'm going to say this here because this is as good a place to say it as any. But now there's a couple of theories regarding Paul's imprisonment in Rome. Uh, there, are some, there are some Bible scholars who believe that Paul was actually imprisoned not once but twice in Rome. And that the first time Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he somehow got uh, furloughed or pardoned and he got released. And then he was rearrested and brought back to Rome. And that while Paul was released following that first Roman imprisonment, uh, some Bible scholars believe that Paul took advantage of that time to travel as far west as Spain to preach to Gentile people there. Amen. Uh, Paul went about as far west as he could go in the world of his day. Assuming, of course, that is true, that Paul got released after his first Roman imprisonment. Now, there's other Bible scholars that believe Paul was imprisoned only once in Rome, and that was the imprisonment that led to him being beheaded or executed. Now, if that were the case, then Paul would have had no opportunity to travel to Spain. So, in part, whether or not you believe that Paul went to Spain, it would depend on whether or not you believe that Paul went, uh, whether or not he was in prison once or twice in Rome. But one thing about it, Paul was eager to spread the gospel to anybody and everybody. And think about this also. I want you to think about the fact that um, Paul, as a prisoner, was actually chained to a Roman guard. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And so whenever Paul was praying, Whenever Paul was writing, or whenever Paul was visiting anybody that would come to visit him, Paul could not help but witness, directly or indirectly, to the Roman soldier that he was chained to at the time.
And that Roman soldier, in turn, basically had no choice but to listen to every word that Paul said. I mean, they didn't have earplugs back in those days. And besides, even if they did, Paul could not have used those earplugs simply because of the fact, or rather the guards could not use those earplugs because they had to listen to everything Paul said in case he was planning some kind of uprising against the Roman government. Now, of course, we know Paul would never do anything like that, but they didn't know that. And so Paul took great advantage of the captive audience that he did have with those Roman soldiers being chained to him 24-7. Paul took a great advantage of that opportunity. Notice in verse 18, he says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom, to whom glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he says, Salute Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. He says, Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus I left in Miletern sick. And he says, Do thy diligence to come before winter. He says, Do thy diligence to come before winter. Now, why did Paul want Timothy to come before winter? Now, I'm assuming this was probably late summer, early fall, and Paul is telling Timothy to hurry up and come before winter. Why? Because one of the things that Timothy is supposed to bring with him is that coat. And he knew that by wintertime, he would definitely need that coat. You see, back in Paul's day, when you were in prison, the Roman government did not see it as their job to supply you with warm clothing you had to convince people on the outside to bring it to you. That's also how most of the prisoners got fed. You had to encourage friends on the outside to bring food to you. Those were things the Roman government didn't spend money on. Now, you know, in our country today, if, if the prisons didn't spend money on food and, and clothing for the inmates, you can imagine they would save a fortune. But you might say the prisons we have, for example, here in the United States today, they are much more humane than the penal institutions that Paul was in. And so he tells Timothy, if he can, come before winter. Because I am really going to need that coat. Now, I hope this uh, rather brief series that we have done on Paul has been helpful to you. Like I say, Paul is one of my favorite characters in the New Testament, apart from Jesus Christ. And since I believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, that means that Paul wrote 14 out of 27 books in the New Testament. Now, those of you that by chance are listening to this podcast in prison, you might take comfort in the fact that Paul spent a good part of his Christian life in prison. You know, when, when Paul talked about being happy and rejoicing in the Lord, Paul was in prison when he said that. 
So Paul's saying, don't be down in the dumps about it. Praise the Lord about it. And take advantage of any opportunities that the Lord gives you for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we come to the end of 2 Timothy. And by the way, you'll notice here he does say a word of greetings to Aquila and Priscilla. Um, Aquila and Priscilla were not only fellow ministers with Paul, but they were also fellow tent makers. You see, like Paul, they were bivocational. And Paul always remembered to be thankful for his friends, and especially friends like Aquila and Priscilla, who were faithful to him to the very end. And so um, right now, I do want to say that I'm going to be praying for you, especially those of you who are ministers and you're listening to this broadcast, or maybe you're a Bible college or seminary student. I want to pray for you right now, and I want to be whatever help that I can be to you. And then after I pray, I'm going to give you an email address, and you can contact me, and I'd love to hear from you. Dear Lord, right now, I just want to pray that you will be with this podcast as people listen to it in all kinds of countries around the world, on the internet. Lord, all we can do is simply make the effort to do these podcasts and then leave the results up to you. Lord, I, I have no idea how many people will listen to this podcast. I don't know how many countries this podcast will make itself available in. But Lord, I pray that whoever hears the Sunshine USA podcast, I pray, Lord, you will convince them, number one, that they need to receive Christ as their Savior. And number two, they need to grow in their knowledge of the Word of God. That's what the ministry of Sunshine USA is all about. Lord, I pray for young ministers that are listening to this broadcast. Lord, it is my fervent prayer that you will bless them as they prepare to do the ministry that you have called them to do. And Lord, I pray that they will be faithful to serve you and finish out whatever task you have given them to do. For it's all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to give you an email address. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's warrenlandis at yahoo.com. It's very easy to remember. Uh, it's all lowercase. Warren Landis is one word, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And I'll be glad to answer any questions about the Bible or about my ministry. I'll be glad to pray over any prayer requests that you have to share with me. And if you have come to know Christ as your Savior, as a result to listening to Sunshine USA, I'd love to hear about it. And right now, we're going to sign off the year. <laughs> I have just enough time to say goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.